Welcome to the Battlefield Baptist Church Podcast. We are so glad you joined us and pray that this message is a blessing to you today. Our new care pastor, Larry Owens, shared his heart with us with his message, Be Serving. Join us in Luke 10. If you've been here, you know we've been going through a little bit of a summer series, uh, so to speak, where we've had messages entitled to be blessed, be strong, be consistent. And last week, we were encouraged to be wise. So in keeping in line with today's message, it's simply going to be entitled, Be Serving. Be Serving. But before we start, I wanted to recognize a few people, a few individuals, see how much I can embarrass them. I'm good at doing that, by the way. But uh, I heard that. Amen. That's right. Let me see. Where am I at time-wise? Because if we run late, blame it on Pat or uh, Travis for wasting all that time previously. <laughs> Friday night, we've been participating in what's called the First Fridays in Old Town Warrington. This is something brand new for us. The church had never done anything like that. We've taken the choir to Old Town over the years for, uh, I believe one was a, maybe Thanksgiving, but Christmas a few times. But, you know, we're just trying to reach our community. We're trying to tell them about Battlefield Baptist Church, who we are, where we're at, why we care about them so much. If you participated Friday night or if you just showed up in support, would you stand? I want the church to see you. Would you stand? Come on. Amen. Amen. Now, see, that didn't hurt. Here's what I know. We've got three of them back in the nursery. Um, There's a couple that are missing today also. But what we heard even more this Friday than previously was, man, you people in Battlefield, you guys are out here in numbers. You know, we all had some kind of T-shirt on or uh, I think Carl had a polo on that identified us as being Battlefield. And I can tell you, when I walked up and down the street, we clearly were the largest group. I think, and I believe it's a good thing, we were the loudest group. And uh, here's what I know, and maybe we'll have time at the end to talk a little more about it. But but towards the end of the night, there was a a lady that came down the street. We were actually were serving right in front of the, I guess, juvenile courthouse. Is that the proper terminology for it? And um, so we were at the end of the street. She said, nobody up and down this entire street is doing what you guys are doing. Nobody is doing what you're doing for the kids. Nobody was face painting. Nobody was making cotton candy. To that end, if Travis's shoulders looked a little more puffed up this morning, I think that's why he didn't wear his coat. We just got to call it the way we see it, don't we, Jared? He personally spun a little over, we know it was a little over 300, uh, and I don't know what the terminology, sticks, cones of cotton candy. Kendra told me this morning, she had come up there, she was kind of hoping to to maybe do a little bit, but she said Travis was having too much fun, and so she didn't ask. But you know, it's about just uh, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, isn't it? That's why we do all of this. The other thing that uh, a number of them did, and I won't ask them to do that, but we had people face painting who quite literally had never face painted before, who also had told me before they arrived, Larry, I'll do anything, but don't ask me to face paint. But I did anyway. 
And they did an awesome job. And that's just a willingness to serve. Let me tell you just a little bit more. You know, the first group of ladies that that have come up now, the last two for the information booth, if I may say, their average age is probably 70, 71. Isn't that awesome? What's just incredibly awesome, too, at the same time is the the ladies that have taken the lead in their face painting at the same hour are, where are they at, 19, 20? You know, it shows that we're a vibrant church. We're not a church that's grown old. We're not a church that's just a bunch of young people, but we're a church that's diverse. When we have families that come up, the Workhamers were there, the Workham again, if you will, was there the last time. Couldn't make it this past Friday, but that's fine because I don't want anyone to feel overburdened that they have to show up. I actually purposely didn't call some, and you know what? The neat thing was I got a call. Hey, Larry, you didn't tell me what time we're supposed to be there. And that's awesome. They wanted to be there. I didn't want anyone to feel overburdened. So I just wanted to share because that's, you know, as we said, it's about be serving. And uh, number one, let me say this. Friday night, just seeing that turnout. I came in yesterday and I had to rewrite about half my sermon. That's not recommended to do, by the way. And you guys are going to suffer. Because invariably I'm going to end up reading a lot more than I wanted to. But you see, when you start talking about service or serving one another or serving the community or serving the church, uh, it's a bit, little bit like when the pastor gets up and preaches about giving. You're walking that minefield. You don't want people to leave here more discouraged than when they arrive. You want them to feel energized and and enthusiastic. And absolutely, I came in and changed things to, uh, maybe the right word is to water it down a bit. Maybe it's not a coincidence that pastor asked a former missionary to speak about serving. I don't know, but when he asked me if I would consider it, I said absolutely. It would be an honor and a pleasure. So certainly today... I hope when you leave, you'll leave here more encouraged about the possibilities of serving in your local New Testament church and the church family. You know, I did have to remain true to the scriptures, though. As Travis just read, uh, I should have given him the whole chapter because, no, he didn't really complain. I was going to say complain about reading. But I had given those scriptures to him much earlier in the day yesterday And so I couldn't change anything because I didn't want Jared and Travis being too upset with me. So after all, our theme is about serving one another. But this is what I know. As good as Friday's event was, and I thought it was awesome. You know, we had people coming up and just saying, man, why are so many Battlefield people up here? And literally we'd say, well, they want to be here. We had some come up and say, how do I get a Battlefield shirt? If they asked me, I said, you need to come. You need to come to church. And we'll, you know, out there, and, and I failed to do it a couple weeks ago. I was manning the uh, information desk. First-time visitors, if you filled out a connection card, you're to receive a T-shirt just as a small uh, appreciation of Thanksgiving. And besides, we don't want you to forget the awesome church you just visited. And so it'll serve as a reminder to you. But I failed to do that. But, you know, as good as Friday's event was, there's always room for us to get better. We learn from the first time, and we improve things, we added things. 
with two Friday event night events now under our belts, we've not yet arrived. But in my mind, we're just getting started. Amen. And I hope that's the, the attitude that everybody would have. We do an outstanding job during Upwards Basketball. Would anyone disagree? I mean, that has been, outside of being mission-minded and mission, being mission-oriented, and still missions, we say, is our largest event of the year. And I pray as long as I'm associated with the church that that'll never change. Because that's, that's really who I am deep inside, as I'm still a missionary at heart. But, you know, we do that awesome job. We bring a ton of energy during Upwards. But I want us to take that same energy and apply it year-round to reach our community. Our Jerusalem, as it's said all year long, and we shall be witnesses unto me, speaking witnesses of Jesus Christ. We are responsible for taking the gospel of Jesus Christ to our community. And yes, I do know, I feel the same way. After two evaluation nights, after coaches' meetings, after referee meetings, after parents' meetings, After 10 weeks of games and practices, we're worn out. We're tired. I think of all those that serve, of Carol and uh, um, I knew I'd forget that. Diana, thank you, who lead the, the team, so to speak, in the snack bar. Because, you know, the coaches, we're only there maybe practicing a game. They're there both those nights. Now, the teens are getting that opportunity to to earn money for camp, but I get it. We are tired. We're ready, in all honesty, for that season to end. No amens? (laughs) Are we ready for this season to end? That's right. We are. And yes, Jackie does remind me quite regularly, I must say, that we're not getting any younger especially when we went to kids' camp. But that's another story for another time. You know, but we don't, uh, but if we don't tell our community about Jesus, who's going to do it? We were the largest group up there, and it wasn't, you know, we weren't there to, we weren't trying to sell anything. We did not ask for donations, although we were asked for a a number of times, can I make a donation? And we really had not considered it. We were not set up to receive it. We just said, no, it's free. Time after people like, well, how much is the cotton candy? Well, how much is the water? Even though we had a sign right on the barrel that said free water. You know, that's just, that's the, the nature of the people out there. So if you will, remember we've just read, or Travis read for us, Luke chapter 10 through the scriptures. But I want us to leave that for the moment. We will come back there. Turn with me to John chapter 13. So hold those thoughts. Hold that place. We're going to come back to the parable of the Good Samaritan. I can promise you that because there's five interpersonal relationships or attitudes that we will look at. And that I believe, if we're honest, that every single one of us at one time or another has felt that way or responded that way uh, at one time. First look, if you would, at the model of perfect service to one another in John 13. And we'll begin reading in chapter, uh, or in verse 1, rather, of John 13. And we will skip a little bit, so stay with me, please. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world into the Father, have, uh, and then verse 2, 
And supper being ended, and now come down to verse 4, Scripture says, He riseth from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. Pause, parenthetical pause. I always knew growing up, eating supper was more biblical than having dinner. Let's just say, it's in Scripture. If God said it, that settles it. It must be true. Sorry, but I I didn't know what dinner was, honestly. We ate supper. Dinner was for, I don't know, the, the rich and wealthy and famous. Jackie can tell you I barely knew how to behave when we first would go out uh, into a restaurant. Verse 5 says, And after he poureth water into a basin, and began to wash the disciples' feet, and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. And then in verse 12, So after he had washed their feet, and had taken his garments, and was set down again, he said unto them, Know ye what I have done unto you? You call me Master and Lord, and ye say, Well, for so I am. And if I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye also are to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example, that ye should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, The servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If you know these things, happy are ye. If you do them, notice as it ends there, it says, happy if what? If you do them. Warren Wiersbe has called this section of scripture the sovereign servant. Jesus indeed is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Regardless, if you want him to be or not, he is the Lord. You make the choice whether he is your Lord, but he indeed is sovereign. Jesus, the sovereign servant, performed an object lesson that the disciples would never forget. And I can tell you from our experience as missionaries, when we would do our extreme vision outreach, far and away the most interesting time, I think, is when we would take the scripture lessons that, that we had the young man teaching, but then we would apply it into an object lesson. Because you see, they could, that's where you make the application. That's where it becomes real. That's where it's not just a story in the book and You know, I'm not, please understand, I'm not minimizing it. This is the precious word of God, amen? They're not just stories. It's God speaking to us. But when it's in an object lesson, they would remember. Are you a disciple today? You know, every born-again believer is indeed a disciple. And as disciples, we must not forget the object lesson either. The disciples surely must have been shocked, don't you think? Imagine when they saw their master, and I I won't do it for the sake, I'll end up messing up the microphone. But when they saw Jesus get up from supper, and he laid aside his outer garment, and he took a towel and wrapped it around. And and obviously we know, hopefully, you know, this wasn't a field crest, a linen crest, a mainstays towel, but whatever type of material they used, and he wrapped it around his waist. And then he took a basin of water and he knelt down and he began washing their feet. We know Peter objected mightily to it. He wasn't going to have any part of it. And Jesus said, if you don't allow me to wash your feet, then you have nothing to do with me. And then Peter, of course, said, well, wash me all. I mean, he was looking for a bath time. Yeah. 
You know, Jewish servants of the day, they did not even wash their master's feet. That was a, a, a duty, a task, if you will, relegated to uh, generally Gentile slaves. Because you see, it was degrading. It was menial. And yet Jesus did it. You know, it wasn't like coming in at the end of the day and slipping off a nice pair of shoes and, and nice socks or parts, part of socks, those of, that see Travis's ankles, uh, with his no-shows on. I mean, he's setting the pace, amen? What do we, that's right. And we say, oh, no, don't touch my feet, or don't, you know, pardon me, they're going to smell. No, these feet were shod with sandals made out of whatever type of animal skin it was. Feet were crusty, dry, cracked, maybe bleeding. You can only imagine if your foot was exposed all the time, what it would be like. And Jesus knelt down to wash their feet. He knew of their pride and their competitive spirit in their hearts. Their desire to be considered the greatest among them. You know, Jesus gave them a lesson in real humility. And in doing so, he rebuked their selfishness and their pride. And too often... We can find ourselves, we confuse the poor in spirit from Matthew 5, 3 with the poor spirited in true humility with being timid or an inferiority complex. The father had put all things into the son's hands and yet Jesus picked up a towel and a basin. His humility, you see, was not born of poverty, but it was born of riches. He was rich indeed and yet he became poor, scripture tells us in 2 Corinthians 8, 9. There's a Malaysian proverb that says, the fuller the ear is of rice or grain, the lower it bends. Jesus was that sovereign, and yet he took the place of a servant. But now let us contrast that relationship with those that we first read of in the parable of the Good Samaritan. So if you've held your place, come back to Luke chapter 10. In doing so, as we look through these, remember I said there's five relationships or attitudes we're going to look at briefly here. In doing so, ask yourself, which one of these attitudes best describes you? I will say this, they're not all bad. Two of them are very good. The sovereign, the others, or the good Samaritan. First, if you will, let's consider the expert in the religious law. Now, we're not going to read every single verse of Scripture that Travis did. He's done that for us. So if we consider this, uh, this religious, this lawyer, Scripture tells us, that we're first introduced to in verse 25, you know, it was his dialogue. It was his discussion with Jesus that initiated the giving of this parable that we call the parable of the Good Samaritan. And when the lawyer asked him in verse 29, who is my neighbor in an attempt to be maybe perhaps holy, You know, he certainly was willing to love, or so he said. But he asked that with the idea of saying, who am I to love with all my heart, or with all my soul, or with all my strength, or with all my mind? It's not hard to imagine he was thinking, well, who's worthy of such love? He knew the Old Testament scriptures, the command that God had spoken and said, that's how we're to love one another. And upon hearing of the Samaritan's care of the wounded man, Jesus tells him in verse 37, he says, to go and do thou likewise. Remember, we just saw that 
that uh, he also said, happy is he that performs. You see, for the lawyer, and this is where we start getting real. Please understand, it's not my intention or desire to step in anyone's toes, but some will. But that will encourage us all. It will just maybe give us a pause for a moment because we are told we shall be the witness. You know, but many today, as we shared of what took place on Friday night, and I look around and there's not too many of them that have their T-shirts on, but the green shirts, you know, that my, our, because Travis really got, was the one that got it running, the, what we call just a parking lot ministry. It's all part of the First Impressions team. It's just another opportunity to serve. But we get excited when we hear about the various service projects and the outreach ministries. We can say the right words of encouragement. We know the correct words of praise, you know, thanking those that have served and thanking that, that they went. But sadly, much like the lawyer in Scripture, at the end of the day, some of us just walk away. The second reaction or attitude, if you will, was that of the thieves who came upon the man as he journeyed from Jerusalem to Jericho. Verse 30 says, or in verse 30, Jesus said that they stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. To the thieves, he was just simply someone to exploit, to steal his clothes. I'm sure they, if he had any money on him, he stunned him. I mean, he, let's face it, he got mugged, he got rolled, whatever description we would like to give it. He was more dead than alive. They probably thought he would die and he would not be able to give a witness, perhaps, to who had done this to him. And unfortunately, at times, it's easy to look upon a service or a ministry opportunity and really say, and what's in it for me? Not that we're looking for that kind of personal gain, although we did gain a water bottle, by the way. If you were there Friday night and left behind a cool gear water bottle, we have that. But just like we turn down donations, you know, my ideal of a donation, I, I don't want people thinking we're doing this because we need the money. Certainly that's not our intent at all. Yes, it would replenish supplies, but if we're going to do it, we've been talking about it. We're going to relate it, in my mind, to a particular service project, whether it's to one of the, feed, the MANA feeding stations whether it's to an orphanage that one of our missionaries is, is part of. Perhaps at one time, maybe there would be a tremendous need within the community that we can say all of that money is going to go and help. But that's not why we do it. It's not about what's in it for me. Sometimes, because in the near future, we don't see that tangible benefit. And so we can choose to ignore rather than to get engaged. We find that third encounter in verses 31 and 32 of Luke uh, 10. And 31 says, And by chance there came down a certain priest that way. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. You know, the priest and the Levite, the Levites was the tribe that was given the responsibility, the priestly duties. Probably the two individuals who maybe should have cared the most, one being a minister of the word. And what did they do? They passed by. Quite simply, the wounded man appeared to them to be a problem and as a problem to be avoided. How often do we choose to simply avoid 
encounter. I have. Don't ask me to do that. that that's usually what's our common phrase we like to use now. That's not my comfort zone. Trust me, this is not my comfort zone. Only by the grace of God can I stand up here and do this. But we choose to simply avoid an encounter. Do we see it as a problem or do we see it as an opportunity? It brings to mind the words of the song. I really date myself. I, I, thank goodness I didn't go back to the 50s. But of the 60s group, the fortunes, that said, you've got your troubles I've got mine. And isn't that life? Is there anyone here today that doesn't have a problem? I thought not. Maybe not right at the moment, but we know they're out there. Hopefully we've left those cares and worries behind, but quite honestly, isn't it hard to do that at times? Don't we even come into the house of God and many times burdened down? I did for a number of years. Those that have heard Brother Travis's testimony, and I've gotten to know him. Man, there was times I was so beat up that I, I was coming back to the hospital simply to get patched back up for the next week ahead. But let's, let's, uh, let's just say with that enough said there. As I said, I, it's not my desire that any one of us leave here discouraged today. Number four is where we find the Good Samaritan. This is the part of scripture that we're most familiar with. Because from the time that we first maybe said in a Sunday school class as a young child, we've heard about the Good Samaritan. You know, the Samaritans were hated by the Jews. He had every reason to hate or at the very least to not care for that wounded man. Remember, we were told this gentleman now that's laying closer to death and alive was on his way from Jerusalem to Jericho. And he saw him as a fellow human being, someone worth being cared for and loved for. He was the only one to show any compassion to him whatsoever. We know we read how he, he, he bandaged him, he, he cleaned his wounds, he placed him on his beast, he carried him to an inn, he paid the innkeeper. And he told the innkeeper, this, this is just basically like a down payment. Do whatever you have to do to save this man's life. And whatever it is, I'll, I'll pay it when I come back. With every outreach opportunity, we can choose to show our love for our fellow man. To care as much as we know that Jesus cares. Amen? You know, which is actually the fifth encounter, so to speak. We know that Jesus saw every one of these individuals, even the thieves who had stolen, who had beaten, who had had left this man to die. Jesus saw every one of these individuals as someone worth dying for. That's my hope and desire, that we will not get too weary in doing well. And yes, I know when upwards ended, the last thing I wanted was to have a, you know, any kind of extra service, any kind of extra work. And, and you know, the facilities need a whole lot of work after upwards. So it wasn't really a downtime. Carl was more busy then than he had been probably the entire time during upwards. And and Travis was, helping to repair, patch walls and paint. These are our fellow men also, just, just those of us who are even on staff. I'm constantly telling Abby, come on, Abby, we're three musketeers. Speaking of her, Carl and I, it's all for one and one for all. 
Sometimes she buys in and sometimes not, because usually it's on the other end of some kind of ribbing that she's taking. But just as Jesus loved, we need to love. Just as he died for those individuals, you know what? He died for me. He died for you. He died for every single individual. You know, one of the neat encounters Friday night was um, as people were waiting. And and actually, I think this couple was just watching. I started speaking to them and said, hey, you know what? You know, what are you guys doing or how are you doing? And they were like, they were from the Netherlands. They weren't even from Warrington. They were visiting family. But they're like, we've never seen anything like this. Why are you guys here? What is this Battlefield Baptist Church? I mean, they had real questions. Now, I know because indeed they had a a foreign accent that they were here for just a short visit. And they're going back to the Netherlands. But, you know, hopefully that even planted a seed of, man, what what is the church about? Maybe they didn't know. More than half the world have never stepped inside of any kind of place of worship one time in their entire life. They don't know. If Jesus was willing to die for the world, shouldn't we care at least enough to help reach them? To maybe at least encourage them to visit our church? And that's all we're doing. We're not re- we don't necessarily have the time, nor is it the proper place. Most people would be embarrassed if you tr- really tried to sit down and, and, uh, and take Scripture and lead them to the Lord right there in front of everyone on Main Street. But we can tell them they know who we are to visit us. Pastor Skinner used to like to say, it's your job to help bring them in. It's my job to get them saved. But we know it's the Holy Spirit moving upon them. But the ideal is to get them into the house of God where they'll hear the word preached, where they'll be given that opportunity to come to the altar and to confess their sins and to receive Christ. The Bible says in James chapter 1, verse 22, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. James also went on to write in chapter 2, verse 17, Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead in being alone. You know the quote, All gave some and some gave all, was not originally coined by Billy Ray Cyrus, as probably a lot of you are thinking. But it was attributed, it came from a Korean War veteran, a gentleman by the name of Howard William Ostrakamp, who understood that in the time of battle, every single man there gave something. They sacrificed something. That's the charge for us today. Not to give all. Not to just burn and flame out. I know... Personally, that Jackie and I on Friday night through Saturday morning, honestly, I lost count of the number of times I had to get up with a cramp in my leg. It's still sore today. Jackie was jumping up. She had cramps in her feet. Carl was, you know, was talking how much his ankles and his feet hurt. And I'm sure we could go around. The ideal was nobody else had to be up there the whole length of time. Travis's shoulders definitely felt at times now he said not. Don't go there. He looked at it. It was a workout opportunity. But I'm asking every one of us this day, if we would, to all give some. To commit to serving in a greater 
capacity than ever before. You know, yes, we had a great night Friday, but it was the turnout of battlefield people that made it great. For people to see families up there having a good time. Gosh, on and on and on. You couldn't see if you were up closer to the front behind you and and some are outside that were here. You know, beginning here with September 1st, which just happens to be the next First Friday event. But we have more opportunities coming up. As I mentioned, this lady that that came up, and uh, and I'm sure we'll learn more this week, she has Travis's email address. She was begging us to come on September 9th. Honestly, I don't know that, that if we can do that or not. It will depend certainly on pastors saying we'll do it. We need to know more about it. It's an event that takes place at the Falkier Fairgrounds. That's the only thing we all could kind of remember, Piedmont something. But she said, you guys are loving kids, and no one else is doing that. But on the 16th, which is the, the Saturday after that, we will be part of Haymarket Day. That's a 9 o'clock to 4 p.m., just seven hours. Now, it's not, I'm not asking any one of you, well, maybe, Jackie, I'm asking you <laughs> to be there with me all day. I know Pastor said he'll be there all day. We're going to do Haymarket Day. Shouldn't we be trying to reach our community? The people that are closest to us? But hopefully we'll get enough volunteers to sign up. That, that reminds me. Kendra said, Larry, what's my duty? And so I, I said, Kendra, please don't come thinking it's a duty. You know, please come thinking you're volunteering. Of course, she reminded me she didn't volunteer for parking. I just told her to show up, and here's your shirt. But we want to be involved. We want people to know about us. We want to, as Pastor would say, we want to buy up these opportunities. Yes, I know missions is right around the corner. What I do know is we're not going to participate in the first Friday there uh, October because that's it right in the middle of our revival we have the ladies brunch we have a men's cookout that night but I do know on Saturday is going to be another Saturday serve day but not to be going and painting we're looking at what I think is, is really be the most exciting things we've considered we're maybe if things fall in place right we're not even going to do the gas buy down because we want to step it up a level we're, we want to possibly do a food buy down at a couple different establishments. I know Krista has already initiated the conversation in those areas. We're also looking, and this was, give credit where credit is due, this was Travis's idea. We want to do a block party for Brookside. And all those that live in Brookside said, oh, we have no one living in Brookside here. Come on, Sermon family, you're in Brookside. I can't hear that. Amen. Amen. You know, but we want to do a block party. Pastor's talking about not a full-size carnival with all the inflatables that we had up here last year, but to do some inflatables. We want to be able to cook out for them. We'll probably, I think we've committed for the long term, we're going to be doing cotton candy. Uh, Kendra, you're going to get a chance if you want one. We know Pastor loves to do it. But the point is, we have tremendous opportunities to reach our community while there's still time. So I'm asking you, just just 
as we go into a time of invitation. It's not an, it's not an altar call, but certainly the altar is open. Certainly if you're here today, remember and I said, you're a disciple if you're born again believer. But maybe this is your day to trust Christ as your Savior, and I pray it is. If you've never made that decision, come and buy that opportunity. Thank you so much for listening. For more information about our ministry, please go to battlefieldbaptist.org or follow us on Facebook or Twitter. See you next time.